Hi and welcome to the We Need Rose podcast and it's our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 spoiler special. Once again, Jose's in Florida, where he lives, but he just hasn't been seen since the last two episodes. David is still not back from his honeymoon, he's definitely still alive, and the fact that both of them have gone missing and I haven't seen for at least two episodes now in Florida, you know, we might have to start putting out missing persons notices. But, once again, I am joined by Ben Lord. And, well, that's it. We was going to have everyone's favourite Ravager, Jose, but he's still missing in action. So, it's just Ben Lord. Do you like your nickname, Ben Lord? Uh, I don't, uh, although I do like being <laughs> being put in the same category as Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, I just want to put, uh, uh, put it out there on the record that just because I'm getting more podcast time doesn't mean it was me that kidnapped uh, David and Jose. I mean, it doesn't mean that, that they've been kidnapped and, and that it was me honest i'm just saying you flew back from the states two days after david flew out to the states and he's not been seen since but you're back in the uk now i am and jose was on a road trip somewhere last episode and we've not heard from him since just a few loose will nuts and the podcast is all mine (laughs) well anyway (laughs) i'm sure it'll be fine i'm sure they'll be back at some point this year and anyway, this brings us on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And this sees James Gunn close out his Guardians trilogy before heading off to be DC Uberlord and make a new Superman film. And the question is, does he stick the landing? Of course he sticks the landing. We don't even have to speculate on that one. We know he does. But we'll get to that. Now first, let's catch everyone up. Because since the last standalone Guardians of the Galaxy film, we've had them Rescue 4 be quite integral to both Infinity War and Endgame and then turn up contractually and briefly in For Love and Thunder before getting the hell out of there, before then getting their holiday special, which was like a side quest movie, focusing mainly on Mantis and Drax, which I was completely fine with, kidnapping Kevin Bacon to cheer Peter up for Christmas. Right, that's it, you're all caught up. But imagine if you hadn't seen any of those and went straight from Guardians 2 to 3, you'd be like, hmm, but then who would do that, right? Arseholes, arseholes would do that. <laughs> anyway... Free kicks off, sadly, with an acoustic version of Radiohead's Creep, with Peter being kind of useless and drunk, and Rocket just kind of moping around as well. That is, until Adam Warlock, played by Will Poulter, arrives and critically injures Rocket, before then getting his ass handed to him by the rest of the Guardians. This sets up the film with the Guardians on a quest to find what they need to save their friend, and while much of Rocket's story is told in flashback, that's the broad strokes. Now, Ben, did it live up to the hype? Absolutely. 110%. Uh, there's not much in this movie that would that made me it made me go back on anything and made me made me regret liking these movies. Like it was, I mean, yeah, everything about it was very well crafted, very well crafted. And I think we need to jump straight to the end of this because the big things all the trailers into that, and that you know, Gun and the whole cast into that was that this is the last film with this cast, and we were just like, he's going to kill everyone, isn't he? The madman's going to kill them all, and. Do you know what they did? They didn't do that. They went for the super happy Wayne's World ending. Yeah, diddly, diddly, where diddly, none diddly, of the main characters really died. So, diddly, diddly, diddly. so I thought it was yeah. really clever. Uh, the the opening scene that you just talked about, where um, where Star Lord is drowning his sorrows, being an absolute alcoholic mess because Gamora doesn't want him anymore, uh, and we've all been there. Um, like it was, it was genius of Gunn to get him drunk and passed out so that he's carried out looking like he's dead (laughs) so they could put that in the fucking trailers (laughs) so it looks like they killed star lord and it and they and he washes that away in the first five minutes of the movie and i was like you cheeky fucker i honestly thought that like there was going to be a thing where star lord was going to be dead you know and, and i was like well done well played that man so yes trailers be damned yeah i mean 
the thing is, Gunn, he, he fakes out the deaths of certain characters in it so many times. So many times. I mean, obviously, Rocket at the start, you think, well, actually, no, thinking about it. But at the time, in the scene, I was like, they're going to kill Rocket. And, then and it kind of is, because the whole film, from Rocket's point of view, almost right until the end, is just his memories and what happened to him. So we get in Rocket's story in kind of a, a fever dream, well, it's, it's dying like, flashback. To me, it's like his life flashing before his eyes. And it's like, so, yeah, so exactly. it's like, oh, he's fucking dying. And you even get that scene where he goes, he goes to the light, you know? So I yeah. was like, all right. Yeah they're, yeah, they're doubling down. They're going to kill the one of the best characters in this franchise. I also thought, uh, in one of the big action scenes, that I thought uh, Nathan Fillion's character was going to kill Drax. Yeah. Our boy Fillion. Fillion. Captain Mal got his due, oh, didn't he? Last. He got to be actually badass in this. And then Scoofy, which is... <laughs> yeah. He was he was credited, credited uh, in the opening you know, credits. Like It was, you know, I went with my bud. Master Kaja. Yeah. He, uh, you know, and I, I turned, you know, me and my buddy, I went to, to see it with uh, with Al. Um, he, <coughs> we looked at each other and was like, yes, Fillion's in it again. And he's, you know, Fillion's been in all of them so far, but, you know, him, yeah. him and Gunn have a... Was it from Sliver onwards? Yeah, Sliver would be in the first thing he worked um, with James Gunn on and they've been, they've been buddies ever since. Uh, and if you're watching The Rookie at the moment, uh, Michael Rooker has just been in two episodes of the rookie so like it's all feeding into each other rooker in a rookie rookering rookie rockery um so yeah it was it's a it's a whole it's a it's like a whole family vibe um but yeah fillion come on man like giving him a shot at, at some actual screen time and it as a yeah like, just facially as an actor he can pull off a scene with by saying no words like, and he does it several times. The, some of the looks he gives, you're just like, he's carrying this scene just by looking. When he's slagging off the guy on his team. Oh, we've yeah, got, I've one, got one of those. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I mean, give uh, give that man more. I honestly thought he killed Drax yeah. at that point with that big boom. And then he, sh- he shoots him in the front and the back. And you're like, fuck, Drax is down. Like, this is it. Game over. Yeah. And Mantis goes over picking him up. And oh, God, yeah. And then at the end, you have Peter freezing in space just to get his... Thing and I was thinking, okay, they're going to kill him then. All right, um, and I was watching, it going, yeah, they could totally kill him there. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then they don't. Uh, yeah, but then that's great because it gives Adam Warlock's character his motivation to then help someone and become part of the team going yeah, forward. Yeah, but there's... and we all knew that with Adam Warlock, we knew we knew he wasn't going to be a bad guy. Yeah, it's he was too much of an idiot to be a bad guy. He was just you know like his character is yeah. it's kind of dumb. Do you know much about the Adam Warlock character? Far than what we see in this film, not enough to to speak confidently about it. Um, no, I. Yeah, because I, I just wondered whether, because they say, oh, we hatched him early, that's why he is how he yes. is. I, I, I believe that. The actual Adam Warlord from the comics might be like a bit proper. Yeah, I, better. Actually, or not better, but, but it's a great way of doing it. I, I really, I really, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say he wasn't in it enough, because I think he was in it just the right amount. And he's clearly going to be an ongoing character, yeah. right? He's definitely they're setting. Well, he's him in the team now. Like, did you, did you I, see I was, the after credit scenes? He's the team. Yeah. He's the new team. Yeah, I, I'm a bit. I'm a bit annoyed. Well, not a little bit annoyed. But a minor, minor annoyance. Uh, you've got Elizabeth Debicki in it, who's also fucking brilliant. And I loved how her character, like when we find out that the main baddie, the High Evolutionary, created the Sovereign, mm. who were like one of the main villains from season. Uh, sorry, from episode. Uh, episode volume. Who were one of the main villains from the second film? You're like, holy shit, so this guy's that badass that he just creates a whole race of arseholes for yeah. fun. Yeah. Gold arseholes. Gold arseholes. Um, that is the net. In two, she's really regal and like proper. And then this one, she's just like ragged and just like... Yeah, dishevelled and... And it's... 
And what's what's incredible about her uh, role in that is not only the character development, but, you know, uh, for anybody that doesn't know her work outside of this movie, she was the love interest in Tenet, I believe. Which yeah. I think is probably one of that film's shining performances. Like she was truly fantastic for me. Oh, she's the best thing in it. Yeah. So, um, so like if you want, if you want, although I guess that twist when I watched Tenet and I saw the when she's on the coming in the boat and you see the someone Diving jump off, off the boat, yeah. I was like, that's her in yeah, the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's definitely gonna. We just saw it. Tenet spoiler special. But hey, to be fair, you'd have to watch it. And listen to a spoiler special just to fucking understand it. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's anyway, a lot. Okay, off the note. Uh, so yeah, so it's a lot. Um, so yeah, so the the Adam Warlock character was he was interesting, like being being like almost like a child mind in almost like a Captain Marvel esque powered body, uh, which when he's got his outfit on looks suspiciously like fucking Iron Man. But you know, we'll just we'll let that one slide. <laughs> um, I did that scene that you were talking about at the end as well, where Star Lord's. Once again in space. Did you um, just a side note here? Did you notice he never put on the Star Lord mask in this movie? Yeah. Do we know why? Or was it no idea? Maybe Chris uh, Pratt. I've seen people raise the question. Chris Pratt is probably worth too much money now to cover his face. He's probably worth more than Downey Jr. at this point, like or at least approaching it. So, so they probably. So, what's that say about Pedro Pascal then? Uh, yeah, he's just he's just more into the craft. Got to say it. Apparently, he's not as a handsome man, apparently, according to than Chris Pratt, which I think people would definitely find issue I mean, with. Chris Pratt, his name alone sounds like Crisp Rat. And now that I've said that, you'll never unhear it. Crisp Rat. <laughs> now say Chris Pratt. That's what you can hear is Crisp Rat, right? So uh, anyway, that, I'm, I'm not gonna that, see, that scene at the, the scene at the end, the scene at the end where he is in space and he the reason he's in space is he goes back to pick up his oh, like, beloved Zune music player. Which is a beautiful throwback to something that I think is really, really fun. Uh, uh, he goes back to get it, and then he gets caught uh, as the as the ship's blowing up. He has to he tries to jump uh, to make it to his his what is effectively his ship, but his planet as well. Uh, there's two things that I had issue with here. First off, is when they're rescuing all the there's a bunch of animals uh, on this on the on a ship mm-hmm. that were uh, uh, being held like Rocket was. Uh, to be experimented on and just used as trash experiments and thrown away and ca- cast away. So Rocket wants to save them and they the team have to, you know, after risking their lives and saving everybody, have to go back and risk their lives again to save all the animals. Looked a bit like Noah's Ark um, or at least had the, a Noah's Ark connotation. And if you know anything about Chris Bra- mm. Mr. Crispy Rat, his, um, his thing right now is very much religion and, uh, you know, his his belief in uh, in Christianity and so on, so forth and so forth, which I never have a problem with. Each their own. That's fantastic. But when you start putting references like that, and the scene that you just talked about, where um, Adam Warlock flies across and they create the Sistine Chapel picture. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that's a bit religiousy for me, and it's it's iconography that is, you know, it, it you cannot separate it from religion. It's on. You know, it's it's the Sistine Chapel painting. It's hugely famous. It's seeped in religion, and it it that wasn't for me. I didn't like that being, you know. Did you think it was played seriously or for laughs? Because everyone laughed when that happened to my screening. You know what? Maybe I didn't give that a thought. I just I just guess because because I know, um, you know, Chris Pratt's beliefs. Uh, I I assumed such a thing. So that's a very very good point. Hmm. If it was played for laughs, then. You know, then well done, and that that would be more in tune with the actor Chris Pratt not taking himself too seriously, and that would be fantastic. So yeah, maybe maybe I I I, I overthought that, which is a thing I do. 
So we're going to jump around a little bit on this because I've just got like loads of bullet points. And um, obviously the best character in the film is Rocket because it's his story. This film is his story, right? Would you go with that? Would you agree? Um, I don't know. No? Okay. Yeah, I agree that it's his story. I don't know that he's the best character. You can't really say it's not. No, it's not. It, yeah. it's, it's it's definitely his story. And like I say, his, his, his... And of course it ends up with him being the new captain or yeah. leader of the Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy. Yeah, which is, which is great. However... Because- my second favourite character is, and I thought she almost stole the film, was Mantis. Oh, for absolutely. Absolutely outstanding. Just so good. My favourite line of the whole film, and I wrote this down as I was coming out of it in my notes, is when uh, her and Nebula are arguing about her messing something up. And like Trax walks in, and I forget what he says to her. He goes, what are we doing? Are we taking the piss out of Mantis or something? Mantis, you arsehole. Oh, like just cra- that was the biggest laugh in the screening. Where, are, we pre- are we still pretending to be angry? Was it that that, that line? They're, they're all they all get someone like that. Yeah, right, Nathan Fillion's character catches them breaking into the, that facility, and they all pretend to get mad. And Drax is playing it like he's pretending to be mad. And then when that when Nathan Fillion's character leaves, he's like, "Oh, we all still pretending to be mad." Yeah, Mantis, you asshole. That is that was a very very good line. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, like Mantis was the was the heart of the piece. She stands up for herself in this movie, which she doesn't necessarily do in the last one. Well, it shows her character's evolution, doesn't it? From slave to ego to actual character. Yeah, yeah which, yeah. Uh, and, and and I think that's, it's great. And and, and it, it furthers her character from the Christmas special, which is why her and Drax, yeah. you know, there's there was that kind of will they, won't they, you know, thing with, with, her, with her and Drax, which I thought was really, really fascinating. Um, but Drax finds her really unattractive. Yeah, and he says that, but like, it, Drax is, I feel like Drax is the kind of guy that would find someone unattractive but still be in love with them you know like it, 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 he's just he's just this blunt instrument which apparently which you find out in this movie that he's not he's actually he's got he's got yeah. depth that you didn't know about so that, that's that, and again a more evolution a natural evolution it doesn't feel forced it just feels like yeah no one fucking asked him if he could speak other languages and he can so amazing <laughs> Dave Bautista just he's, he's I, I think he's one of the best actors going at me, especially of like that physical size and like everyone always says, Oh, who's the best ex wrestler who's become and no, because you've obviously you've got the rock, you've got Cena, and you've got Batista. And okay, The Rock probably makes more money, but he plays The Rock. He is a movie star in like the sort of the Tom Cruise mode. Batista's an actor. If you see him in Knock at the Cabin, if you see him in Blade Runner, he's in June. June yeah. I mean, working with Dennis Villeneuve, you know, the fact that Dennis Villeneuve saw someone in him and goes, one of the best directors in the world, saw someone in uh, Batista and was like, no, this guy can actually fucking yeah. act. And if you look, any film where he wears glasses, he's brilliant. He wears glasses in, um, oh, what was the other film? He's even one with Jodie Foster as well. Hotel Artemis. No, I haven't seen that. A little indie film. Right, look it up. It's brilliant. That? It's about a uh, hotel. It's a bit like a John Wick kind oh, of Oh, I have thing. seen that. She oh my God, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. I forgot Jeff the name Goldblum. That is such a good movie. Yeah. That is so well put together. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. Underrated film that next to no one has mentioned or seen. Should do an episode on it. Um, so where was I going to see it? Um, so yeah, when we get to the end of the film, we have we have. It's clearly going to continue. I think Marvel aren't going to go it throw it away. But Gunn's moved on. But there's enough in that universe where they're setting up the new team, and the new team is Rocket, Kraglin, Adam Warlock, Cosmo, and some young girl who they saved. Who's got some sort of Who's, weird, like that? blue glowy eyes, and like powers in her hands which i you know i have no idea no idea what what that's all about and or her name yet one other thing i was going to say is um 
what I really liked about this film and what we, they did well is it kind of felt like Lord of the Rings in a way that every character got a really... Because it's the last film with these characters and that team, each character got a thorough arc from start mm-hmm. to finish where you know they got, they got to their ending, which is perfect for each of the characters. And it was a smaller, more personal story. You know, it was just the high evolutionary after Rocket. That was it. Yeah. It wasn't world galaxy ending. Well, it was one world ending. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was one world ending uh, counter-Earth. R.I.P. Too soon. <laughs> but it was this... There was no, like, big MacGuffin. It was just... And what I liked about um, the High Evolutionary as a villain, there was no sympathetic backstory. No. There was no... He was just an utter mental, psychotic arsehole. Yeah, and that's why he's my favourite liked... character from the movie. Yeah, so let's talk your favourite character in the movie, David. David. <laughs> ben. Don't call me David. That's unfair on David. <laughs> Especially as we don't know his whereabouts. So, Ben... Let's talk your favourite character in the movie, the High Evolutionary, played by Chuck Wody Iwuji, who everyone else also knows as, I forgot his character name, but he was in Peacemaker as well. Which I'm guessing was he? I didn't didn't watch Peacemaker because I really disliked Suicide Squad, so I didn't watch Peacemaker. (gasps) Okay, well, let's let's argue about that, bitch. That's that's, that's another podcast (laughs) to come up with then. He played played Clemson Mern in the Suicide Squad. So obviously that's uh, no, not in Suicide Squad, in Peacemaker, which is obviously where he worked with James Gunn for the first time. Right. Because James Gunn well, did I'm, I'm... all of Peacemaker's TV show. Ah, uh, okay. That's interesting. Um it, I, I kind I just, of almost yeah, want didn't... to give it a second chance now, don't you? A little bit. No, not at all. I thought I thought that I honestly thought Suicide Squad the second one was awful. Absolutely awful movie, which is what gave me pause coming into Guardians 3. Now, James now that Gunn. Mm. Yeah, and, and also it's James Gunn in his new iteration. Now I've got to say that uh that um the high evolutionary as a character is is fantastically well fleshed out, fleshed out, sorry, for someone you you get to meet in the movie and who obviously doesn't make it to the end of the movie. So like that that arc in itself was beautifully played out, incredibly well acted, and like I said previously the character has this real, like, violent, like, abusive, like, bully, like, vibe that you you only really get from, like, for me, like, independent movies, you know? Like, someone's only really brave enough to be an out-and-out piece of shit when you don't have to worry about the entire world seeing it. So for this character to be that well played in that way and brave in my opinion to to try and you know to bring that in is is incredible like as as an actor i mean obviously the the character's a piece of shit and like he gets exactly <laughs> what's coming to him but but yeah like i mean it, it, good good marvel movies are made by their villains good movies are made by their villains but good marvel movies especially like thanos you don't have 10 years of the mcu without thanos and this arguably Infinity War is Thanos' backstory, origin story. And that's Kinda. what makes it work. That's why the whole thing works. Yeah. Yeah, and whilst I guess whilst you're... It's very clever, um, actually, like script-wise, because as you're getting Rocket's backstory, you're also getting the High Evolutionary's backstory as well. So, in fact... Two for one. Yeah, and, and you don't really notice that you're getting that backstory. Like, because you're focused on the Rocket story, or I was focused on the Rocket story, at least um that you know so you fill in a lot of those a lot of those blanks and and and, you know you almost get an understanding of uh like of why 
Rocket is so important to him when the the end of the backstory happens because obviously Rocket attacks him like high evolutionary kills Rocket's prison mates who are the yeah, only let's, friends let's, he's ever known. Let's get on to Rocket's friends. Fuck you, James Gunn. You made me cry almost in the cinema over a CGI yeah. otter. Like, yeah, good with, God, with robot mate. arms. With robot arms. I mean, and she was. I mean, this is one of the things that people have been. It's, it has had like a really mixed reaction. People have said those scenes of the animal abuse are really horrific and hard to watch. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, good. They should be. It shouldn't yeah. be just like feeling. I mean, Rocket looks fine. Well, you say you say Rocket looks fine. It doesn't look like a raccoon. Like that. That's that's abuse in itself. You know, like Rocket looks fine compared to Floor. Floor mm. will be nightmare fuel for small children for years to come. Whoever had the and any small children is... watching this movie, oh, poor them. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. I mean, James Gunn, the fact he had the idea to cross a rabbit with a spider and add in a few more cybernetic things, no, with a is with a guard over its fucking mouth, so it looked like it's being gagged almost. It, it was like it was, it was like that weird S and M. yeah, but like even beyond that, it was like um like that weird spider toy from uh, Toy Story that's in the bully's bedroom oh, like, with the doll's head. Like it's almost it's almost as creepy as that, just with an extra level of of, of James Gunn. So yeah, I mean, and even like even the uh, the walrus whose name ends up being Teefs, which I thought was really cute. Teefs, um, yeah. like he's like he's he's on a, he's only like a wheelchair because you know he's a walrus and he can't get around. So like they've grafted like wheelchair wheels onto him and stuff. It's just, it's next level abuse. It's brutal. A lot of people said this was really super disturbing and really pushing the PG thirteen limit. And like it's a twelve A over here in the UK. And I mean Lila's death, man, was that was just the probably the harshest bit of the whole film. So much so that when Rocket attacks the High Evolutionary and actually rips his face off. Yeah. My God. I mean, like, come on, man. Well, they and then what you don't realise is because I thought, oh, these this is what made me question. I was like, but sorry, mate, you can create a whole race of perfect looking beings in the Sovereign, but you can't fix your own face. And I, that we kind did. of, not really. He, he kind of looks, face. what's he called? He called he put, him Skeletor put, at one point. Cause he's kind of like, it's all stretched, yeah. isn't it? And like, but he's like, he's built himself a new face. It's, it's enough for him to get on. He's, he's, you know, he remember like he's, from my point of view, he's, he's, you know, going for the greater good. He's trying to create something that is, um, that is beyond, you know, just himself, which is again a Thanos quality. You know, he's Thanos is trying to, you know, uh, eliminate half of the universe so the, the other half can thrive. The, there has to be like a human element to what these people are doing, otherwise you don't understand their motivations. So, so for he's trying to create a perfect race, so he's not that worried about what he looks like because he's creating that perfect yeah, race so yeah. they can you know, do their thing. Yeah, he's he's like whatever. I look like Robocop now. I'm fine. <laughs> What's your name, son? <laughs> <laughs> Murphy. Murphy. Uh, well, back, still on the high evolutionary. I mean, yeah, Chakawidi's performance is that good that a lot of people now want him to be the new Kang because Jonathan Major's potential legal troubles. Marvel are still at a stage where they could jettison him before they go on, and everyone's just like, he's that good. And again, with recasting someone like Kang. You've got the variant argument. It's just just a variant. That's how obviously DC are going to do it with the Flash. I mean, when the new Flash film comes out over here soon, if 
Ezra Miller's character version of the Flash is not killed in the end credits or the end of the film and then replaced by a new one, I think we'll all be surprised, you know. Can I ask you about uh, that really quickly? Do you think there will be, bearing in mind this is like a multiversal movie, do you think there will be a cameo of Nicolas Cage playing Superman beating up, like fighting a giant spider? I, I mean, I'd I pay money to see that, but I, I don't know. I put money on it. I really? put money. I put good. Well, I mean, like they're, they're like they're like, it's DC trying to do the Marvel thing, and like that's that story is synonymous with like with the DC backstory now. Like if they don't pay like homage to it and go, you know what? We'll hold our hands up. Yeah, this kind of could have been cool, but also we recognise that it was it was lame. Like that would be. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, like it's a thousand to one shot, obviously, but I I would put money on that thousand to one shot. Just finishing off on a high evolution, I was going to say <laughs> right at the end. Where who is it who tears his face off? Which well, young rocket? It's rocket at the end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because he, he jumps his face off. He, 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 yeah, he, uh, the high evolutionary kills his three only friends in the entire world. No, no, no. This they is at the very end. Of, no, this is at the very end oh, of the film. Oh, when he peels his face off. Peels his face um, off. It's uh, it. It's Gamora. It's Gamora. She's yeah. She's got him by the throat, isn't she? And, she, and his, his her face hanging off a little bit. And he, yeah, she, she peels his face off. Now that single shot there and what his face looks like underneath literally looks like something, one of the poster images from Evil Dead 2. How they get that in a 12A film these days, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, but you're right. It was, it was so graphic. Like eyes, eyes, well, no, mate, his eyes hang, ha, hanging out of his socket almost and his like nose completely gone. Like, and just gasping for life almost. It was, it was really disturbing, like really disturbing. Right, well, let's talk um, cameos. There was quite a few cameos in this film, and I wonder how many... Obviously, Nathan Fillion, where well, he's credited, so it's not really a cameo. Did yep. you spot James Gunn's wife, uh, Mrs. Gunn, Jennifer Holland in it? I did not. Because you didn't like the Suicide Squad, and she was in the end credits of that, and she's the main character in Peacemaker. But she's known as she plays Harcourt in the Suicide Squad. She's the lady who gets shot in the leg by Gamora. Who in the? Uh, oh, really? That's his wife. Yeah, she's yeah. like the recep- receptionist of that giant living ship. Yeah, and the receptionist, the other girl who uh, Peter's trying to charm, that's Ratcatcher, Dania Dania Melchior from the Suicide Squad as well. I didn't realise it was oh, there. Right. So Watch none the of these cameos are actually are actually any good. Then they're just people from his his, his other, other films, his other movie, which was shit. Well, well, we're going to have to have talks about it. Seth Green's in it. It's Howard the Duck again. You get a little bit shot of Howard yes. the Duck. Yes. Okay, so I forgot that was Seth Green. That was great. There is another character from Ant-Man, an actor, well, not character. There is an actor from Ant-Man 1 and 2 in this film who is completely unrecognisable, even it's, as um, their gender. It's, um, oh, you it's, know this, don't it's, you? It's, it's, what's his name? It's the Russian guy, isn't it? From his, no. Uh... Oh, is it not? No. I thought he was. I thought he was in. Oh, is he in Quantumania or something else? No, like, I don't know who you're talking about. Russian guy. You know the big <laughs> monster pig-looking thing, War Pig. Yes. War Pig is voiced by Judy Greer, Ant Man's ex-wife. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, never would have like, caught that in a million years. You wouldn't think Phenomenal one that's a work. woman doing that 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 like not that light uh, that voice performance, would you? And, oh, that's great. That's I didn't really click great. until there was there was pictures from the premiere, and I was like. And then she was there at the premium and was like, yeah, James, put me in like uh, a DC film or a Marvel film. And everyone was like, wait a minute, why? But, but why is she there? Because she was warping. That's crazy. <laughs> who did, do you know who did the voices for um, Rocket's Friends? Because I haven't looked that up yet. Like, no, I um, haven't actually. 
They were they were all all three of them were great. Well, I can tell you one of them. Lila is played by Linda Cardinelli. Okay, of all right. Scooby Doo, ER fame, lots of stuff. Yeah, recently. yeah, yeah. So yeah, she does she, the voice of Lila. Like as a, as a voice actor in that role, like she like she garnered like like just so much emotion in that character. Like a really soft spoken. Oh my god! Sorry, I've just looked up who's in this movie, and there's so many, so many. And amazing. I'm not. And there's so many of these cameos. That I'm like, I don't think I saw that person. I couldn't even tell you who that is. I, I think the IMDb, if that's the site you're on, literally just lists everyone he's worked with on this because I'm not too sure it all pans out. But so Ving Rhames is in it. Isn't he one of the other? Ra- like, no, because he's not. Because he's one of the other ravagers in one or two. I don't think he's in this one, or if he is, he's in a background scene. See what I mean? So uh, I wouldn't trust the yeah, IMDb as a, as a be all and end all on this one. But then, as you are a musician and music is, well, your life, we're going to talk briefly about the soundtrack. Good idea. So it's a little bit of a bummer starting with an acoustic version of Creep, wasn't it? You know, usually Guardians is upbeat and it's like, you know, and it's starting with that. And I was like, okay, okay, it's kind of giving me a bit of a downer here at the start. I mean, isn't that that just to ease you into Rocket's frame of mind? The, ly- yeah. the lyrics of yeah. the lyrics of that song, you know, I'm I'm a loser, I don't belong here, I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. Like it is just like it is. He's always been self-deprecating uh, in like the worst way. He, you know, he thinks he's a he's a, a useless failed experiment. Yeah, so, when he gets to- drunk in the first film and gets in a bar fight because he thinks everyone's looking at him. You know, yeah, yeah, it's always there, man. Yeah. So like, so that I mean, yeah, it's it's a bummer for a, a, a Guardians uh, to start on a down note, but I think he needed to. Like, I don't. And you know, I'm not the world's biggest Radiohead fan. However, like, yeah, I the I, song fits I, perfectly. The, the song works. Yeah, it, it, for, for me, it was it's, yeah, it's pretty good. And it wouldn't be a Guardians film without some classic rock. So you've got Heart Crazy on You in there. You've got one hit wonder band Space Hogs in the meantime, which was used in the first trailer. Arguably their best ever song they did as well. well if they're a one hit wonder, that is exactly their one good song. I mean, could you name it? I couldn't name another song of theirs. I couldn't even name that one. Oh, really? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, and yeah, I work in music, and that is like that is not a thing that I could have done. <laughs> uh, but also, you've got Flaming Lips, The Replacements, Bruce Springsteen, and I really like the inclusion of Faith No More's "We Care a Lot" when they're like heading down to like take care of business. God, that is that's it's, it's punctuated again, isn't it? It's very it's very lyric oriented. I feel like I feel like the music in the first two movies was more about the music, the actual melody, the, the and the feel of the music, whereas this time they've used lyrically clever songs so we care a lot is an angry song that that the message is very much what the guardians of the galaxy is about they're like an angry bunch of people that care a lot so you know it's perfect it's, yeah. it, it's yeah it's pointed it's like and like i say with the radiohead song it's lyrically important as much as i like and love the beastie boys no sleep till brooklyn was literally used in super mario brothers a few weeks back as well and at least in super mario brothers also starring chris pratt the characters are from new york What's his name Chris Bratt. <laughs> I didn't get it right. I didn't say it right. So it didn't, it did it hasn't stuck this way in my head that much. Chris yet, Bratt. Thankfully. You're gonna keep saying Chris Bratt. I'm gonna tweet Chris Bratt afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but um <laughs> at least in Super Mario Brothers, there's a connection, right? They're from New York, so no Steve Till Brooklyn, fine. No real connection in this one there. And even the lyrics don't even make so like where you were just saying the lyrics worked for the other songs, like we care a lot and that. Mm-hmm. The lyrics don't really work here in that. No. I mean personally I would have used Intergalactic. Brilliant. Except yeah. if you see the trailer for the Marvels, they've already used Intergalactic in the trailer for the Marvels. 
Ah, uh, see. So they've stolen shot themselves. themselves. Shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. They're, uh, that's, that is a problem. And I do agree that um, that out of all of the songs that they've used, that is the one that, I mean, it's a cool song. Don't get me wrong. And I love Beastie Boys. I'm never going to be tired of hearing them in, uh, in movies. But I mean, yeah, you're right. They could have picked, they could have picked, you know, if you're going to do a deep cut, like even Egg Raid on Mojo would have had as, as much impact <laughs> as, as, as that would as, have been, you know, no, no stick to Brooklyn because it, it's not a song that lyrically, so it doesn't follow that theme. But the attitude is there, is it? Isn't it? The attitude of Egg Raid on yeah. Mojo matches perfectly for that it would, scene because really yeah. it, it's a that's the uh, corridor slaughter scene. That's the um, yes, yeah. I like to call it the cabin in the woods lift opening scene, but for Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't it really? It's that nice kind of yeah. Let's good, just good slaughter a whole room full of aliens, and because they're aliens, we can chop whatever off we want. We can have blood and organs and stuff spurting everywhere because it's all CGI stuff, so we can get away with it. And I mean, Jesus, yeah. they just slaughtered a hell of a lot of everyone in it. <laughs> they did, and they and they slaughtered them good as well. Like they didn't yeah. fuck around. No one um, was coming back from that. If I could bring up a point, the movie's only curse word to keep it a PG thirteen, or you know, perhaps the first one ever in the Marvel movie as well. Uh, no, because there's that there's that scene where Captain America says shit, and uh, Tony Stark. But shit, lives shit's for an it. okay one. But he, yeah, he, there's there's a fuck this in there, drops, and it's they they drop the first fuck. It may be the first one, but yeah, it's it's very well done, and it's very yeah. it's so it's very clever. Like Nebula, I really enjoy that. get in the fucking car. <laughs> well, yeah, she's trying to. Is it that? Out, he's trying to explain. He's trying to explain how to open a how a, how a car door works, and she's she finally gets to like push the button to click. It's an old school, like eighties car door where you've got like the push button with your thumb and you pull the handle and she finally pushes the button and then she's like, now what? And he's like, open the fucking door <laughs> or like get in the fucking car. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's delivered with that typical Chris Bratt, um, yeah, yeah. like, you know, like timing. And, and, and it's, it's, it just really is so well done and so, such a, uh, like a throwaway, but integral part of that movie. One of the final songs in the film, usually, and this is going to be interesting because, as I said, you didn't like the Super Squad, so we have to talk about this another time. But I thought his choice in music he picked for that was superb. And this is the first time I think there's been a misstep with James Gunn picking a song. Well, mm-hmm. Although, admittedly, to be fair, we just kind of debated No Sleep Till Brooklyn because great song, doesn't really fit the scene, nothing really... Perhaps it's more a bit like you say about the musicality rather than the lyrical content. Yeah, it, does, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't stick out, but they, he could have picked something better, perhaps. But again, and I argue this at the end of the film when where everyone's celebrating and they're having a little dance off because of course the film's got to end with a dance off after the the first mm. film. Yep. You have Florence and the Machines. Dog days are over. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a fine hit song from however many years ago. But yeah. uh, I mean, I get yeah, everything's okay for them now. They're through the worst of it. The dog days are over. But it's so literal and on point. And I just thought you could have picked so many better songs to use than that. So many. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, yeah, the dancing part of it is was really important because obviously you got like Baby Groot when he's dancing to ELO in the, the beginning of the second one, which and, was better. You know, and they, the end of the first which, film when it was better. Yeah. When it was better, yeah. Um, yeah. That was what Jackson Five. That one. That was that was great. But yeah, you're right. I think that um, it's a weird song because I didn't recognize that as Florence and the Machine. I was kind of I, I I wasn't really paying attention to the music. And what I want from a Guardians movie is for the music to to draw me into that next dimension. So like the fact that um that I recognize a lot of the songs uh is actually important. However, that 
song does not close out the movie. It isn't the last song that you hear. It's they they do the callback to the very first song that you hear when they do the the, the first after credit scene. So actually, they round out the movie. They tie a big ribbon around it with the same song they started it with. Well, you frantically Google the name of the song. I was going to say my suggestion for that celebration scene and quite a few other songs. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm like you, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I say rock music guy just because it covers a multitude of guitar-based genres. But I would have had some Foo Fighters, man. You could have used a ton of their songs, right? My hero yeah. could have practically gone anywhere in that film at any point, pretty much. Yep. My hero Agreed. would have worked. Uh, Everlong I mean, in- would have been perfect yep. at the end instead of that. Learn to fly. You could have fitted in when Rocket escapes. You know, just yeah. lyrics, thematically, yeah. everything. Uh, also, I had a you know a little shout out to Everclear. You could have had Santa Monica when Counter Earth is getting destroyed. You know, you and Everclear. Oh my God, leave it alone. Well, you could have had Black Hole Sun, Soundgarden. That could have worked quite well. All right, yeah, yeah. Because those an- those animal people kind of look a little bit like the weirdo people in the Soundgarden video, anyway, and all the bright colours in there. It kind of had the same aesthetic. So, uh, Beck Loser would have worked well at the start if you wanted to. Uh, oh, uh, that would have been we great. Go. Because yeah. you've got the lyrics. The lyrics, although it's a happier, upbeat song, it's still got the lyrical content. Is still why don't you kill me? I'm a loser. Oh, yeah, yeah, song. I'm choice. a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? That's yeah. that's interesting. It would have changed the tone. Yeah, I don't know that it would have been that it's better, but it's mm. definitely it's, definitely, it's definitely a song that I, that I like more. Therefore, I want that to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just completely self-serving. If I had free time, I would recut stuff with my own music on it. Not my own music, other people's music. Oh yeah, just really recut I'm music. very busy. I'm very busy, man. Um, so, what was the song then? <laughs> I'm just still looking. I've got caught up in our conversation. Leave me, leave me alone. Oh, it's Redbone. Come and get your love. Redbone. Come, come and get, get your, your love. love. Yeah, Redbone. <sighs> Which we, we all I mean, definitely remembered right now. Come and get your love. Tune. Absolute tune. Uh, and that, yeah, so they end they end the whole thing where it began with Crisp Rat kicking crispy rats around a planet. And as you would say, and as Beavis and Butthead would say, yeah, you said bone. Uh, yeah. Um, one, I'm gonna as we're getting towards the end of the film and the podcast and life here on Earth, life. insanity. And, <laughs> we said the same thing. <laughs> and my one, one of my one little sort of things I was a little bit down on was I thought because there's so much time spent establishing rockets, backstory, all the other characters. I thought of all the characters, I thought Peter was a little bit underused. He had one storyline, which was you need to get over Gamora. And fair play, I'm really glad they didn't put them back together because she's a completely different character who is a dick. <laughs> yeah, and they spend a lot of time labouring that point in the movie. Yeah. She has to scream at him at one point, I'm not the same person. But then she ends up kind of into him again, like which you kind of... It's obvious it's going to happen because a version of her... She traded up, she went off with... Um, she traded up, she went off with Stallone. So like, well, that is a that is a trade up, I guess. Um, but yeah, like she, like they're, they're talking about blowing. He blows something up, doesn't he? And when Adam Warlock is in the ship and he sets himself destruct, and after a movie of trying to win her over, he sort of gives up and then blows up, uh, sets the ship to self destruct with Adam Warlock in it. And she she loves the way that he does it because she spends the whole movie terrorizing people, and he's like, "You got to fucking stop killing people. It's brutal." <laughs> yeah, I did like Angry Gamora. She was she was good, man. She did well with what she had. And just ultimately, where Peter ends up, he has uh, he has that one like he has that one scene with Mantis, where she's just like, 
but yeah, when you got family on Earth, he goes, oh yeah, but you know, I had a grandpa, but he's probably dead or like super old. Uh, and then he just ended the film. He's just like, oh yeah, I had that one conversation with Mantis. Do you know what? I'm going to go back to Earth. See you later, Guardians. I'm going. I'm just going to go back and see if my granddad's still alive. And just, I was like, where did that come from, man? Like, I don't know, just- man. I feel like I feel like that was I feel like that was smart. I think it was like I feel like he's. Like he's going through some real serious heartbreak. Like this movie is 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 his fucking is his like rebound almost, and it that that whole heartbreak vibe. Like he's he's recognised that there's a piece of his life missing uh, through his you know him missing Gamora. So I think that like I think him going back to his family was you know like it landed in a way that uh that he hadn't quite realized and and mantis is clever because she uses drax to do it so you know there's there's that element of it as well which is very really funny but yeah no i think that landed i think that landed important important in an important way for him so i like that ending i'm a bit more cynical i think it's clearly a play that pratt wants to stay in the mcu a bit more and they've put him on earth clearly for another film that's going to happen at some point well, it's an Avengers movie. It's got to be because he's not in yeah. Guardians anymore, really. He's down on Earth, and it only says at the end the zinger at the end is Star Lord will return. It doesn't the say legendary will return. Star Lord, the legendary Star Lord, yeah, yeah, will return. So, yeah, I mean, potentially maybe the only linchpin for a um, you know uh, an Avengers movie that I would give enough of a shit about these days. I mean, maybe Doctor Strange. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have whatever. an MCU episode uh, soon, man, because uh, David's quite down on it now. He's like completely checked out on a lot of it. Jose's a bit more positive because, and I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, so it's nice to have the balance. Yeah, we can do an MCU, an MCU ranking. Our top ten MCU ones would be a good one to get everyone in Ooh. sometime. Yes. Now uh, I think we're going to get into the end here, and uh, overall, I say it's a great film and a really good emotional closure to the trilogy. It's not 100% perfect, and in trying to fairly balance out the satisfactory ending arcs to all the characters, it means for me not every character gets the full shine. And like what I just mentioned, I think Peter gets the least of it but he was the focus of a lot of the other ones so I, I think I'm quite happy with that and like we mentioned I think he's clearly going to factor f- into more MCU stuff coming forward and non-Guardians Avengers so the script definitely requires him to be on there for the next phase uh, so mm-hmm. I'm going to throw to you Ben what is you going to give this out of 10 um, bear in mind it's a, it's probably the best Marvel movie of the recent Marvel movies in my Since opinion Endgame since uh, I mean does, do the Spider-Man movies count do we still count them as MCU yes okay so No Way Home so No Way Home like being the last one that I really loved yeah yeah uh, I would give this uh, this is really tough I can't I want to go in I want to go in at eight I want to okay. go in at like a, so, like a like, but I want to go in at like a like a, a wobbly eight. eight out of ten. No, a wobbly eight out of ten because oh, a low eight. Yeah, just because I feel like chicken tonight. Uh, I feel like chicken tonight. Now that's you showing your age. Um, I feel like that there's there was just a little bit more. It's like you said they could have fleshed out some of the characters. Uh, it's it's an eight because the bad guy was a truly awesome bad guy. The funny bits were really funny. And it, it, it did give me whiplash a little bit in that it was a really dramatic thing. And then someone would just like break the tension instantly by saying something hilarious. And some of those were brilliant. And some of them made me go, ah, oh, we could have left, we could have lived in that moment for a little bit longer. So yeah, there's some interesting decisions, but like an eight, 
nonetheless, I still think is 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 a fucking great achievement. Yeah, it's it's a really good trilogy, man. It's one of, is that when people can point to really good trilogies where all three films are good? That's one of them. No bad films in the trilogy. I earlier in the year, I actually had this at number one on my most anticipated films of the year over I heard that podcast. June Part Two, and only it's because I'd been on the journey with these characters for the last almost ten years, whereas June. It's very epic and dark and serious, and I loved it. It was the best film of the year it was out. But I don't know. I, I, I felt like this was going to be more enjoyable, and it was to a point. But the funny thing is, literally, as I was writing my notes for this, the trailer for June Part 2 dropped. And it was the one thing it had in that trailer, the, the first June trailer and review film we have, it had humour in it. I was like, shit, they got, it had humour, and it added in the pew as well. That's, uh, we refer to Florence Pew because of how great she is and everything, as just... The Pew, all capitals the on this podcast. The Pew, yeah. And of course, we didn't even we didn't even see. We thought we had Bald Elvis as a Sting's character, and of course, we didn't even see Christopher Walken playing the Grand Emperor Padish. So uh, yeah, it's all good, man. Oh, also Leah Sadu, Bond girl, just rocks up in one shot. Forgot she's in it. She's definitely a space witch. Anyway, getting completely off point talking about space witches, <laughs> although not really so much. Uh, before we go, I'm going to give that. I'm going to give it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go an eight out of ten as well. Actually, no, no. Mm. I was going to go nine. No, I'm going to give it eight. I think I think there's enough little things that not bug me, but yeah, I'm going eight. But before we call it a day, I have a, one last comment from one of our listeners, Rachel Miller, who said, anyone who's seen my latest tweets and blog will know I love Guardians Volume 3 completely. It was absolutely everything I could have wished for, funny and so heartbreaking. I've not known an emotional roller coaster like it, made with heart, love and sincerity. Thank you, James Gunn. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Much better yeah. than we did, and much more succinctly. <laughs> right, so I think that's about all the time we have today on the We Need Rose podcast. Ben, I think we'll have you back whenever you're not living the rock star international lifestyle. Uh, I'd love to come back. It's been uh, it's been a blast. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys my nonsensical ramblings. I, I believe we'll call you Sci-Fi Corner. David's kind of got David's dungeon now, where he not um, Ben Lord, Ben Lord, the Ben Lord Corner. <laughs> That's awful. Let's just stop that now. That's. <laughs> you, I'm just saying, when the merch comes out, we might get a Ben Lord t-shirt made. Uh, honestly, I'll sue. With your picture from when the Zoom froze at the start. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was I was deep in concentration. That was uh, that was that's real life. You can't you can't fake that. However, if we you are do such long term friends, I will not post that on Twitter. <laughs> I hundred percent will not put that online. You know you know that I don't have a Twitter account, so I wouldn't know if you did then I definitely won't. (laughs) (laughs) I smell a lot of bullshit coming out of you. That's just a chicken tonight. Okay, right, that's all the time we have. We'll see you next time, guys. Have a good one. We needed roads.